but here we are on, um, on this first Sunday of Advent, and we are anticipating uh, Christmas Day, as we've mentioned already. It's going to be here soon. And I'm just going to ask that you would turn to Acts chapter 27 this morning. We're beginning a series today that's entitled Arrival, and that simply is focusing for the next number of weeks on the arrival of Jesus and what he brought to our world, what he brings to us in our lives this morning. And so this morning is, is Advent hope. And we think about the hope that Jesus brings us and that has brought into our world and that continues to bring into your life today. Anyone here this morning could use a fresh infusion of hope. Uh, every one of us could say, there's a situation that I need to get a, a fresh perspective on. And in fact, it kind of has started to feel hopeless. And this morning, I believe that God wants to remind us of this fact that he has designed us to experience hope in his presence and in his provision in our lives. I want to begin by reading a story for you. And this comes from uh, Guideposts. Anyone uh, know that Guideposts, that publication called Guideposts? Maybe some of you. What it does is it just simply tells the stories of people that have experienced God's provision in some miraculous way in their lives. And I want to just give you this story because it's a story of hope. I believe that it will inspire you this morning to begin to say, God, I need fresh hope in my life. This takes place in June of 2004. There's a young man, 19 years old. He is on the battlefield in Iraq. His platoon comes under heavy fire unexpectedly, and he gets shot. He gets wounded very badly, and he's bleeding literally to death in that hot desert on that day. And this is what he writes. This is his recollection of that moment where he's lying there dying. He says, everything went black. I woke up in another place. It felt as if I were underwater, but I wasn't holding my breath. Everything was cool. There was no pain. I felt weightless. Drifting through this space, so different from the hot, dry Iraqi desert. I'm dying. I was not afraid. In fact, I felt more peace than I had ever felt before. My life leading up to my military career had been hard. My parents were addicts. My father was abusive. My mother, neglectful. I fought against the odds to avoid ending up like them. I struggled to pass my classes in high school and to drown out the criticism from peers that I was too dumb to make a career in the military. Right out of high school, I'd completed basic training and gotten my orders for a one-year tour in Iraq. I felt I was meant for this job. Combat was nothing new. I had been fighting my whole life. Now I felt total surrender. My struggles were over. If this was death, then I was willing to accept it. I'd signed up for the military knowing that this could be my fate and I was okay with it. Suddenly I heard voices. I love you, babe. We love you, daddy. I stopped. I couldn't see anything, just voices. And somehow I understood that these were the voices of my wife and my children. But how was that possible? I was 19 years old. I was far from fatherhood. I didn't even have a girlfriend. Yet I was absolutely certain. My wife's voice was filled with warmth and with patience. 
The voices of my children, a girl and a boy, were sweet and trusting. I felt wrapped in the most incredible love. It was intense, as if all the love I'd feel for my future family was concentrated into this one moment. This role of being someone's husband and someone's father just felt right. And in that moment, something changed. I was no longer complacent about dying. I wanted to experience this love. I wanted to see my wife's face. I wanted to hug my children. And I made the choice. I was going to live. See, in this moment where this young man, 19 years old, lay dying on a dry, dusty battlefield, God gave him a prophetic image, an insight that only God could give him as to what was in the future for him. And God opened up the future in some moment there, in some way, that he began to realize there's a future that God has for me, and this is not the end. And he said, in that moment, something changed. There was something that began to rise up in him. There was this will and this desire to live. Why? What made the difference? It was hope for a future. And hope is this powerful thing in our lives that when we lose it, everything just looks black and dark and we fall into despair. But I believe this morning that God wants to speak into your life and that someone needs to hear this this morning. We all need to hear it, right? But I believe someone needs to hear this today that you need to hear God's voice spoken over your situation. You don't need to hear more advice. You don't need to hear another strategy. You need to hear from God today. You need to hear him speaking over you to say, there is hope for your future. It is not over. What cannot seem possible with man is possible with me. And I believe that today there is a prophetic aspect to God's word that needs to speak to us. That there is hope that we need to realize again as we look to God and and his possibility for our lives. And so hope makes this difference. It can make the difference between giving up and between pressing forward. You see, he may not have any, had, had anything on that battlefield left. In fact, his, his lifeblood was ebbing away, but this is what God put in his heart. He put in his heart hope, and that made the difference. That made the difference. God wants you to live with a sense of hope. Someone said this, They said the most universal thing, the most common thing is hope. Why? Because hope stays with those who have nothing else. And in circumstances when we have nothing else, if we have the hope that God can place in our lives, that is the thing that we can carry with us through dark days in our our moments, through dark days in the journey of this life. And so I believe this morning that God wants you to hear his prophetic voice about your future. He wants you to have a glimpse of the future that is possible in him and not to despair and, and to give up hope this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have. This is God speaking. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Listen to this. Plans to give you hope and to give you a future. And this morning, as we come to the slot of hope, we're reminded that the heart of God for you and for me today is that you would have hope, that he would infuse you with the sense of hope, and that he would help you to understand again that there is a future in him. This morning, as we consider the manger and as we consider that we are 
looking at the arrival of Jesus and all that he means to us, we need to understand that God's plan to give us hope in a future is centered in Jesus. I want to say that again because it's so important. God's plan to give you hope in a future is centered in Jesus. And this is why we celebrate around this time of year, we look again at that thought that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he sent Jesus to this broken planet with so much pain and so much darkness and so much fear. And he sent Jesus to our broken planet. Why? To give us a hope for the future. This is why Jesus has come. This was in the heart of God where he knew that we needed a savior. We needed Jesus to come and to, and to bring us life that is not possible apart from the son of God coming and dealing with our sin and then giving us hope for the future. And so when Jesus came, one of the things that he brought and one of the things that he brings to our lives is hope. How many of you remember that over the summer we looked at this, the book of Hebrews? What an incredible book in scripture. And one of the verses that we kind of, uh, that encapsulated where we were going with that is this verse in Hebrews 6.19. And I will remind you of it today. The author of Hebrews says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. And it is firm and it is secure. And the hope that he is referring to is he's just begun to remind us again of all that Jesus has done for us, all that Jesus came to do in our world. And he says, this is the hope that we have. He points us to Jesus. And he said, that's an anchor. What Jesus has done for you is an anchor for your soul, that it can anchor you in times of struggle and in times of difficulty, that it can anchor you and keep you firm and secure, that your life will not be shipwrecked but that you will know the hope that there is in Jesus. And so the arrival of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, has brought us hope for a future. We read it this morning. Dave and Nikki read that for us. Isaiah 2, verses 1 to 5. And one of the things that we realize again, that as we think about the first advent of Jesus, we have to also think about the second advent of Jesus that Jesus is coming again. And so if we take a step back today and look at kind of the bigger scope of human history and God's heart for us, his heart is for us to have hope because there is a future that one day, and it seems as though it's gonna be soon, that one day Jesus will come again and we have hope for a future where there's a new creation, where all of the pain and the suffering and the brokenness that we know in our world today will come to an end and there will be a new creation, a new hope because of Jesus' second coming. And that day is coming, that, that the moment in human history is coming. And so Jesus reminds us that there is hope for an end to evil and suffering. Can I read that for you again? Here's the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking prophetically. He's having insight into the day and age in which we live, coming close to the second coming of Jesus. And he says this, in the last days, he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again, there it is, church, never again will they learn war. There is coming a day where we will, we will be able to say never again 
will there be suffering. Never again will there be evil that we have to contend with. Never again will there be domestic violence in the home. Never again. All of these things that can fall into that category, the prophet Isaiah was seeing into the future. And he was reminding us that because of Jesus, there is a hope that is coming that, that is God's plan for humanity. And this moment where God will step into human history and he will usher in a new reality. And the question that I was thinking about as I was just reflecting on this again, God, you have a plan that's much bigger than my life. You have a plan for humanity, for human history. And my thought was this, what hope is there for humanity if we continue to put our hope in ourselves? What hope is there long term for humanity if we stretch out the timeline 200 years, 500 years, 1,000 years should the Lord tarry? What hope is there if we continue to put our hope in ourselves? And what we realize very quickly is that there is a never-ending future of pain and of brokenness if we decide that our hope is in our own ability as a humanity to deal with our problems. You see, instead of pain and evil and suffering diminishing, just look back over the past 30, 40, 50 years. It seems to be increasing. There seems to be an intensity of the brokenness that we face. Rudyard Kipling, how many of you have read the Jungle Book to your children? Some of you, perhaps. Rudyard Kipling, he grew up in India, and some of his books reflect that. And he writes this. He was a, he was a thinker. He was an author. And in his mind's eye, he came to this moment where he was thinking about the, the landscape, the future of human history, and he began to wonder, where is it taking us? Where is human history taking us? What does the end look like for us? And he said this, when Earth's last picture is painted, he's thinking of the end of time, will it be a picture of the despair of hope? What will that look like? He was asking himself that question. If we continue on this trajectory that we are continuing right now as a human, uh, in human history, what does the end look like? Is there hope or is there simply despair? Are we heading toward a moment of despair? You know, I am thankful that, that there has been progress that has been made in different areas of human history. I'm thankful that there has been progress in a physical sense. And that if I have a headache, that I can go to the cupboard and I can take down Advil or Tylenol and, and I can get relief from that pain. I'm thankful that if, if there's an injury that I suffer, that I can go to the doctors and the medical community and I can have my suffering alleviated. There has been some progress toward good in human history, but it's mainly in a physical sense, isn't it? On other fronts, we seem to be losing ground and hope seems to be diminishing. And if we're honest with ourselves, we ask ourselves these questions. How long will it be before world peace is achieved? How long before conflict and wars will cease? How long before injustice is no more? How long before human trafficking ends? At what point will domestic violence no longer exist? On what day of the calendar of human history will the last rape take place? The last murder when will the last remaining jail on earth close its doors forever? Will it be 100 years? 500? 1,000? 2,000 years? What is the projection of human history as we know it today? And I think the fact is that if we keep putting our hope in ourselves, 
that there will never be an end to evil and suffering and pain and brokenness. And so our hope must not be in ourselves, church, in our own ingenuity. Our hope must be in God and in his plan to give us a hope and a future. And that is what we are reminded of today, that God reminds us that he has a plan for us, and it is a plan not to harm us, but it is a plan for a hope and a future. And one day, Jesus will come again, and we will know that hope that we look forward to, that evil will end, that suffering will end, that justice will come, and then there is an eternity that stretches out ahead of us of experiencing the goodness of God. Church, it's coming. Folks, this is the hope that we have. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. A second moment where he will arrive. And so I am so thankful that today we can say, God, thank you for the hope that we have for a future in you. We do not put our hope in ourselves, but we put our hope in the fact that a loving God has a plan for this this world and for humanity, and one day it will come to be. And so that's kind of stepping back a little bit, but what what about today? What about the difficult circumstance that I'm walking through? Can I find hope in my moment of my day today? When I leave this place, there are, there are things that I'm facing that seem hopeless. And so thank you for reminding us of the hope for the future, but what about today? And I want to remind you that there's also hope for a difficult today. And the arrival of Jesus means that we can find hope in the midst of the problems that we face, that he can bring hope in a hopeless situation. He can bring beauty from ashes. He can speak hope to us in the midst of the storms that threaten to to tear us apart and to steal our hope. And we come to Acts chapter 27. I want to read for you a moment, a story of a moment where there were a group of men that had lost all hope. There was no hope in the natural any longer. And yet God spoke into that situation. Acts chapter 27. I just want to pray before we read this passage today and just ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to what he wants to speak to us. So Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have a plan. There's a hope and a future for us. And I pray that as we look into this passage today, Holy Spirit, we are so dependent on you to uncover the things of God, to speak to us spirit to spirit, that there would be a revelation in our hearts today, that you would speak so clearly and that we would hear clearly this morning. And so we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us orphans, that you sent the Spirit of God to walk with us. And so, Spirit of God, we invite you to do your work as we look into your word today in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 13. Let me set the stage for you very quickly. This is Paul, and he is uh, with the motley crew this, in this season of his life, is with some other prisoners. Paul is a prisoner, and he has been brought with other prisoners. They've, they've set sail on a ship, and Paul needs to stand before Caesar to give an account for some accusations because he's simply been preaching the gospel. He's been preaching Jesus. And so Paul is on his way with these other prisoners to Italy. There has been some progress. They stop at a port. Uh, winter is coming. So it's kind of the same time of year that we're in right now. And if you're a sailor in that part of the world during that season, you would know that winter would bring storms. And so you would not, it would not be prudent to venture out on a long journey on a ship with winter coming because winter brings storm. Paul warns them and he says, this is not a good idea for us to continue. But in verse 13, this is what happens. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. 
So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called uh, Kauda, I should have had my glasses, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, this was, this was quite the storm, on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Here we find a situation where there are some men that have uh, done everything they could in the midst of this storm to try to alleviate the possibility that they were going to lose their lives and there was nothing left for them to do. This was a hopeless situation. And at one point, they finally came to this place in their lives where they say, in this situation where they said, there is no hope. There is, this storm is going to do us in. This is the end. And they just resigned themselves to that fact. They had, they had no ability to see any further than the storm that they were in because it seemed in the natural that this was indeed the end of their lives. There wasn't going to be any rescue. This storm was going to continue until it tore that ship apart and they were just waiting. It was a matter of time before they perished in the sea. When they had started out they didn't anticipate quite this level of storm. And I find it interesting that they had a warning to say, you know, don't go this direction. Don't set sail right now. This is not a good idea. And yet, if we look back at verse 13, it says this, that when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. There are times in our lives, folks, where... The Holy Spirit is warning us about going a certain direction and he's giving us some red flags. But oh, there's some gentle breezes that begin to blow us in that direction and it just seems so right. It seems so good. And it seems as though it's, it's fitting with the desires of the wants that we, that we have within us. And, and in this instance, there wasn't this anticipation that a storm was brewing. But it didn't take very long before the storm began to, to batter that boat. And what, what those men thought was what they wanted, it turned out to be the very opposite. And there are times in our lives where we think, this is what I need. This is what I want. And we begin to pursue it. And even though God is warning us, we continue to pursue that path. And to our despair, we find out that it becomes something destructive in our lives. And it just struck me as I was reading this that what they thought, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. This seemed like the right thing for them to do. At times we put our hope in our own wants and in our own wisdom. And you know what? Things seem to work out for a time. 
There's a season when those gentle winds continue to blow us in that direction. And really what we've done is we've put our hope in ourselves and we've put our hope in our our own wants and our own wisdom. And little do we know that what we have been putting our hope in is leading us directly into the face of a storm that we could not see coming. And perhaps this morning that as we consider this idea of hope, that the Spirit of God would just remind us again that our hope needs to be in His plan for our lives. Our hope needs to be in the one that can deliver us. And if we have been putting our hope elsewhere, and if we have been kind of seduced into following things that are just not part of God's plan for our lives, that He would make it clear to us today in His grace and in His mercy that if there are decisions we are making and hope that we are placing outside of God, that He would draw us back. They thought they had obtained what they wanted, but it turned out to be something destructive in their lives. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the storm. And so here we find the storm, and the storm is an analogy for times in our lives where we encounter difficult, difficult moments. And so in the midst of that storm, what became paramount for them was simply survival, they began to realize that we just need, if we can get out of this storm with our lives, then we're going to be doing well. And they began to just focus on survival. They, the scripture says that they had to give way to that storm. It was, it was pushing them along. They were now powerless to do anything except for try to keep their head above water. And they began to throw things overboard, things that in a previous day would have felt very valuable to them, things that they would have said, I will never throw that overboard off the ship of my life. I will never let that go. And they began to willingly throw over possessions that were valuable. In fact, they came to the point where they began to throw over tackle things that, that would actually help them to sustain them on the seas. And, and nothing mattered anymore except for survival. And those things that just a short day or two before seemed so valuable, they realized these mean nothing to me right now because I'm in survival mode. And these things that, that seemed to be so valuable I'm just, I realize that they just, they will not help me in the midst of this storm that, I have, that I'm in. And they began to throw that cargo overboard. This was about survival. And so they moved into this season of just trying to survive the storm that they were facing. And then finally they came to this place where there was no hope. Hope was gone. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued to rage, We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Can you imagine that? No sun for days. No glimpse of the stars at night, hoping to glimpse some stars because what that meant is that the clouds were beginning to disperse and perhaps this storm in their lives is over, but there was none of that. The storm just seemed to rage day after day after day. And in that moment, they finally came to that place of despair. And there are moments in our lives when we encounter things that just seem to go on and on and on, and they are storms, they are difficulties in our lives. And we finally come to these places where we think, this is never going to change, and I no longer have any hope that this part of my life, will, that I'll see the sun, that I'll see light any longer. And we resign ourselves to the fact that there's this darkness over a certain area of our lives. And I believe this morning that God wants to remind us that what is impossible with with man is possible with him. And they were in this boat in the natural. They were done. They had come to the end of everything that they could do. They had done everything in their power. 
and nothing was changing. And so we need to read on. We need to read on. Let's pick this up again at verse 21. Hopeless situation. Nothing else we can do. And God intervenes. After the men had gone a long time without food, to top it all off, they were hungry. (laughs) They might have been hangry. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. This, This was not a good choice, guys. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Why was he saying this? He was saying to them, listen, you've lost hope, but don't lose courage. And he goes on and says, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. I can't, I can't let this go. <laughs> Do you see it? Identity and destiny. Paul said, the God whose I am, he knew whose he was. He knew that he was in the hands of God, and come what may, he was in God's hands. And he also knew the destiny that God had for his life. He said, this is the God that I serve. Not only do I know this God, and I am his, or, but I also know his plan for my life. He goes on and he says, last night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. There's still some storm ahead, guys. But listen, Paul is saying this. He is saying, I know my God, and and what has happened in this circumstance is God has spoken prophetically into this moment, and he has said to me, there is a hope in the future, where in the natural, this seems like it's the end, where in the natural, there is nothing else you can do, and then God steps in, and he speaks prophetically into that moment, and those men begin to have hope again. Those men begin to have courage again, that this is not the end. And I just love that fact that I believe because Paul knew his identity, he knew the God that he served, and he was walking out his destiny, he got to bring some people with him. You will be a conduit of hope to those around you who have lost all hope in the midst of the storm that they are facing. Why? If you simply know whose you are, and if you are walking day by day with a heart to serve God, God will bring many lives with you, so to speak. You will be able to turn to people who you are walking that same storm with and you will say to them, I have faith that God will bring us through this storm. I have faith that God knows us. He hasn't forgotten us. I have faith that come what may, that we can put our hope and our faith in God. We know whose we are. We are not abandoned. We are not orphans, but we are, uh, we are in the hands of God himself. And church, if you choose to accept your destiny, If you choose to walk out day by day a simple obedience to God, there will be many lives that you bring hope to. That will be your inheritance. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about being, you know, some giant of faith. It's about daily obedience and a heart that's postured toward God, and he will use you to bring hope to others. Know that this is true today, that he will use you to bring hope to others. And I love that thought that God intervened and he spoke prophetically. 
So here we go back to that battlefield in Iraq where a young 19-year-old boy has resigned himself to death. He thinks this is it, and he's okay with that. And God speaks prophetically and somehow gives him a picture of his future. Uh, Guess what's happening in that young boy's life? He's 19 years old. Now he's married, and he has a boy and a girl. Right? God spoke to him and gave him a, a glimpse into the future that he could not have known apart from God. God comes to Paul in the midst of this hopeless situation and he speaks to Paul and he says, Paul, there is a future for you and not only for you, for these people that are in this storm with you. There is a future because you have put your hope in me and I'm answering your need today. And there is a hope in the future for you. What does scripture say? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they are plans not to harm you but to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. I wonder if Pastor Yeshua would come and we're going to pray this morning before we close. The psalmist says this in Psalm 43, verse 5. He says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior, and my God. I am so thankful that Jesus brings us a hope for the future and a hope for today. And there is no doubt in my mind this morning, church, that we need to hear this and perhaps you needed to hear this today because you're in that moment of giving up hope. And in the natural, you've done everything that you know to do. And I believe that that God wants you to hear his voice today. And as I mentioned this earlier, you don't need more advice. You don't need another strategic plan. You need to know the voice of God today. You need to see prophetically into the future that that reminder that God has a hope for you and he has a future for you and he needs you to hear his voice today. That's where hope will return. And and that you would say with the psalmist, you know, why am I so downcast? And that's that's a rhetorical question. That's not a fact-finding question. What he's saying to himself is, listen, I know you're downcast, but there's hope, right? Put your hope in God. Look to the one that can give you hope today. In an impossible situation, allow him to speak to your heart today. Allow him to speak prophetically into your situation. That hope would once again rise within you and that you would have courage this day. And then you would say, come what may, God. I know whose I am, and I know that you have a plan for my life. And I'm going to just walk that out day by day. Why don't we stand? Could you stand with me? I'm not sure. Why I'm feeling this so strong today. But I am. And to be in a hopeless place, to be in that place of despair where you've lost all hope, that is a dark place. And we all face those moments. But there's not a shred of doubt in my mind today that God wants to speak to your heart, that he wants to speak prophetically to you, and he wants to give you a hope where there is no hope, He wants to remind you that he has a plan for your life, that you have an identity in him and that you have a destiny that he wants you to walk out day by day in simple obedience. God, I trust you for today. 
today I'm going to submit my life to you. Would you lead me through this day? And as we do that day by day by day, there is a trajectory of your life. You will live the, the destiny that he has for you, and you will bring hope to many people. There will be many lives around you that you bring with you in the storms that you face. And so this morning, my, my call for us to respond is very simple. It's that we would gather and say, God, I need a fresh hope in my life today, and I need you to speak prophetically into my life in whatever circumstance it is. God, I'm asking you to speak. I'm asking for a fresh hope today. And that's my prayer. And so as Pastor Yeshua begins to lead us, I'm going to ask that if that's resonating with you, would you come? And we're going to take some time today. We're going to hear from God. We're going to allow his Holy Spirit to speak to us. We're going to allow hope to be infused into our lives again, encouraged to rise up in us again, whether it's for our children or for our grandchildren or for a situation that we're facing that God wants to speak today. He wants to speak to you today and to dispel the hopelessness that can come against us at times. And so will you respond if that's resonating with you? Will you respond? Will you join with me at the front church? Pastor Yeshua, would you lead us in worship? And church, let's take a few moments. Let's come. Let's say, God, I I need hope from you today. I need a fresh vision for this circumstance. I'm coming today because I'm simply asking for hope. Would you join with us as we take a few moments? Church, that we would listen for a few moments today. We would listen for the voice of God in our circumstance. Have courage. This is resonating with you. Have courage. Don't allow disappointment from the past to stop you. But just once again, say, God, I'm coming for hope.